If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate can be your strength. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. The FDA recently issued a qualified health claim saying that high flavanol cocoa powder may help prevent cardiovascular disease. It may even be a helpful tool in managing cognitive decline. Flava Naturals Dark Chocolate Bars and Cocoa Powder deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate with great flavor and minimal sugar. Their secret is sourcing premium high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. There you'll find the extensive research behind cocoa flavanol's benefits and great recipes too. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, we're going to be talking to the author of a great new book, A Holistic Approach to Viruses. What's interesting about this author is that he's not just applying uh, theoretical knowledge, because he's actually on the front lines of dealing with COVID. Uh, He has an active practice in Michigan, uh, where he actually works with patients using an integrative approach using uh, both natural therapies along with uh, conventional therapies so he knows whereof he speaks. It's not purely theoretical. Uh, He is uh, a graduate of um, the University of Michigan and Wayne State University School of Medicine. He's a proud Wolverine, a fan of University of Michigan, and uh, he is also uh, the father of two physicians. That means uh, he's a little bit long in the tooth. He's been doing this long enough uh, to have explored many, many aspects of integrative care. Well before COVID, he was distinguished for treating challenging patients using innovative techniques and has received many awards. So welcome, uh, David. It's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Dr. Ryan. Okay, well, you know, before we get into, you know, some of the innovative approaches you're applying to COVID in your book, uh, you've written that uh, COVID has been sort of a wake-up call for America because Americans' low level of fitness uh, has had a lot to do with the severity of the pandemic in the U.S. Could, could you elaborate on that? Sure. Um, the reason I wrote that chapter in the book was that I, I certainly – don't think 600,000 plus of us had to die from this. And I think that there's multi, it's a multifactorial discussion on why 600,000 died. But I think that the part of this is Americans have, are unhealthy. We finished last on every health indicator or, or, or next to last on every health indicator when we compared to every Western country. We finished last on maternal mortality at birth. We finished last on uh, neonatal mortality. We finished last on longevity. We we finished last on uh, you know nearly every health marker that that's ever measured. And um, you know I don't have to tell you, and I certainly don't have to tell the audience. You know we have an obesity problem. 
two thirds of us are overweight, one third of us are obese. We're we're an unhealthy populace, and I think that when COVID came, that the reason we got hit so hard with it, and we're still getting hit so hard with it, is in part from our unhealthy status. And I think if we were in better shape, we sh- we should have been able to withstand this and you know not suffer the consequences that we suffered. You know, and certainly with COVID, you know, one of the key comorbidities was, you know, obesity. The the heavier people did much worse than thinner people. And two thirds of us are heavier. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not that hard to discern, you know, why we've had such a hard problem with it based on our health status. I think that's part of it. Um, That's not the sole cause of this and why 600,000 people died, you know, at least as large a part or maybe a larger part of this, the reason 600,000 people died and, um, you know, should have been much less than that was because of how in medicine we handled this. We, we didn't handle it. We basically told people, if you got sick, go quarantine, go stay home and so you can't breathe and then show up at the hospital when the disease has already set in and perhaps you already have pneumonia or double pneumonia or worse. And we didn't treat people from the beginning. You know, I, I am sure Dr. Hoffman in your medical school, as in my medical school, we were taught to diagnose pathology and then treat it and help alleviate patient symptoms. And for some reason with this illness, we didn't do that as physicians as a whole. Now, I didn't prescribe to that method of just telling people to stay at home. We can get into that. You know, I treated mm-hmm. people from the beginning. But, you know, conventional medicine did, and they're still doing it. And it's just, when, when this when this postmortem is written on COVID, it's gonna be an ugly read for, for us physicians. It's not, we, we don't have one black eye. We got two black eyes and a bloody nose and bloody lips on this. And, you know, it, it is not pretty of what's happened and, you know, still, unfortunately, still going on. Well, absolutely. Uh, before we get into treatments for COVID, you know, asking the question of what can people do if they come down with COVID and they're told merely to stay at home and, you know, take some Tylenol, uh, we can go well beyond that, of course. But in terms of prevention, uh are there certain nutrients or supplements that may play a role in preventing severe COVID? Uh, you know, this, this is actually heretical. You can get canceled for saying this in this current uh, atmosphere in which misinformation, uh, is being so, uh, is so uh, ostracized and hunted down. But are there, uh, nutrients, supplements, lifestyle factors that can perhaps make people more resilient should they come down with COVID? Well, I mean, that's, that, you know, I went to med school to, to, I'm sure, just as you did, and just as the majority of physicians out there, you know, wanted to help people. And it's not in my nature for people suffering from something to just say, stay home until things get better or they get worse. And if they get bad enough, show up in the emergency room. You know, it's, it's not how I was trained and it's not how I do things in my practice. But um, are there things people could do? Of course there's things people could do. Number one, you can lead a healthier lifestyle. Um I don't, I've never made a claim that I cure COVID or I have a, I have the miracle cure for COVID or that I can prevent someone from getting ill with COVID. I don't know how to do that, but I do know how to support people's immune systems. And I do know that when people's immune systems are well supported, when they're in good health, when they're confronted with some stressful health situation, such as a, viral illness or bacterial illness or even a you know car accident or you know a trauma that those who are in better shape going into whatever confronts them health wise 
are going to do better. And I didn't, I don't really think that you need to go through four years of medical school and a residency to figure that one out. That's pretty common sense stuff. But, you know, common, you know, I can't remember who said it, but common sense isn't so common anymore. Um, and, you know, we've, we've lost our way with this illness. So are there things that can help people? Absolutely. That's what I've been writing about. You know, there's nutritional supplements, there's oxidative therapies, there's studies on drugs such as ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, which I have not used, but I think the studies on ivermectin are, there's pretty good studies that show some efficacy with ivermectin. I think it's better than hydroxychloroquine. The studies with ivermectin are better than hydroxychloroquine. Um, but for whatever reason, the powers that be have, you know, dictated to us we're not to do anything to these patients, and and they will show up at the emergency room when they can't breathe. And you know, the consequences of this net doing nothing for patients is six hundred plus thousand dead, and you know, it's still ongoing. And I think that if we had taken a more proactive approach, if we had if we had helped people have better health going into this illness, and we had just done a few basic things with people. We would have had a bad flu season. And, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough, who's a cardiologist who's been very outspoken on this, has said 75 to 80 percent of the people who died did not have to die. That would bring us down to about 100,000 dead, which would be a bad flu season, which is what we should have had with this. You know, you've got to keep in mind that between 25 and 100,000 people die every year from flu and flu-like illnesses. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we know that every year. Um, but, you know, those illnesses are usually in the elderly and, you know, the sick and and look, COVID took care of that too, but it, it's killed far too many. And, you know, I think that part of that is just the lack of any interest in what can help this illness and, you know, that's happened with conventional medicine. And I, and I just, I'm, I, I'm sure you're feeling the same way as I am. Like we're in um, Alice in Wonderland where down is up and up is down. And, um, you know, you just, you know, now you can, powers that be don't even want you to talk about it. If we start talking about it, they threaten your medical license and threaten you in jail and all that stuff. You know, it's mm -hmm. just, just okay. ridiculous. Yeah, or, you know, uh, canceling you from social media. But, uh, you know, when you wrote the book, uh, A Holistic Approach to Viruses, you know, you emphasize the importance of a healthy diet. And uh, since it went to press, there are actually a, a couple of studies that have come out that, that really validate your point of view. Uh, studies would show that, for example, a higher intake of dietary polyphenols is highly protective. Uh, health professionals who came down with COVID uh, prior to being vaccinated, this is in the early days of COVID before vaccines were offered, and a fairly high percentage of health professionals who had contact with COVID patients came down with COVID. It turns out when they did dietary surveys, the ones who were on uh, plant-based diets, diets that uh, did not preclude the use of animal protein but were rich in uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, did better. They they actually had less severe COVID. Their uh, death rate was far less. Uh, the severity of COVID, uh, hospitalizations, intubations, uh, and so on, reduced uh, merely by a healthy diet. So, you know, we look at these traditional risk factors like hypertension, diabetes, uh, cardiovascular disease. Uh, respiratory disease, all these uh, avoidable diseases through lifestyle, but um, actually the very food we eat can actually have a medicinal effect. No question. You know, I when, when I um, started doing medicine, when I finished my residency and started practicing medicine, I was practicing conventional medicine, as I was taught. I had no interest in anything I'm doing right now. Um, I, w I basically wanted to go to med school to be a family doctor and model myself after my family doctor. 
And around six months into that, I realized um, patients are not getting better with all these drug therapies that I was prescribing too many drugs. They weren't treating the underlying cause of their illness. And I was having to prescribe drugs to treat problems from other drugs. And I, there had to be a better way out there. And what I've learned over the last 28 years and a few months is there is a better way out there. And it is helping people, you know, help themselves and helping people, educating them to eat better, to exercise, to just do some basic things. And, you know, particularly, like you said, eating a healthier diet with more fruits and vegetables supplies, you know, tons of nutrients for their body. So when a stressful incident happens, that your body can rely on that and not be deficient in basic things and, you know, not collapse when it's confronted with a viral illness like uh, coronavirus. So, you know, Let's come to the issue because, uh, you know, literally before uh, we got on the air uh, to record this podcast, uh, you said, excuse me, because I have to talk to a patient who's just come down with COVID. Um, so you're, you're on the front lines. You're dealing with uh, COVID patients. Uh, many have tested positive. They're not feeling well. They're sick at home, uh, but they're not uh, so ill uh, that they need to immediately go to the hospital. In fact, the hospital discourages that. They don't want a lot of uh, highly infectious patients in the hospital environment, so they tell you to stay home. Unfortunately, um, that can lead to disasters because um, things can go downhill fast when you're at home. They can go downhill fast, in particular with this illness. This is, you know, this is not a, you know, COVID's a real thing. You know, it's a real illness, and people have gotten very sick, and you know, from the beginning of treating this illness, um, you know, I, I remember when we started treating it and when the first reports came out of China at the end of 2019 of a atypical pneumonia in four patients and they, they, they Chinese claimed it was a novel coronavirus strain, which they titled SARS-CoV-2. Um, and it was, you know, similar to the previous SARS virus that, you know, caused problems, you know, 20 years previously. So when that when that announcement came, I followed every story that came out of there, and you know I watched what happened in Italy and Spain, and you know the the disaster in Italy is is you know before it came to the U.S. And when SARS came, when this coronavirus strain came to the U.S. West Coast, um, you know I knew it was only a matter of time until it came to my area. And so in the in the end of February of 2020, you know my my office manager came to me and said, hey you got to talk to the staff they're, they're all scared out of their minds. I think we're going to lose all our staff. You know, we're, you know, no one wants to work. And the first coronavirus case had come case had come to Michigan and New York was already starting to see a, a rise in counts and, you know, and, and people dying. Um, so I'm meeting with my staff and the first question that was thrown at me was, are we closing the office? And I said, mm -hmm. close the office. Why would we close the office? Our patients are going to need us more than ever now. I said, my prediction is most doctors are going to close their office mm -hmm. because, they because they don't know what to do. Yep. I said, we've been dealing with viral illnesses for the last 28 years. I said, we, we can help support people's immune systems. I said, I told the staff, it's not going to prevent them from getting sick, but it's going hopefully prevent them from going you know, south when they get sick. And I said, we have therapies that we've used. And it's undoubtedly treated other coronavirus strains because one third of all flu-like illnesses are caused by coronavirus every flu season. And our numbers were pretty, pretty impressive, at least to us they were. Every year, we didn't have patients hospitalized, we didn't have patients develop pneumonia, and we didn't have patients die from flu and flu-like illnesses 
anywhere near what the statistics were. And in fact, out of five practitioners, none of us can recall a patient dying from a flu-like illness ever. I mean, we just, we don't look back and remember that happening. Um, now, if 20 to 100,000 are dying every year, we should have our share of them. Um, so I told the staff, we've got a treatment that will help support people up. I said, I'm confident we can help people. And if, if it doesn't work, we'll figure out what works. Um, we've been doing this long enough, and we have enough tools in our tool bag for this. So we lost about 40% of our staff. You know, they were scared and stayed home. And I told everyone, no one has to work. I'm working. I said, I'll do it myself. I don't, you know, if no one's, no one's here, I'm going to do it till either I get sick or they won't let me. Um, and the first week of treating coronavirus with a nutritional approach of, we can get into the specifics of it, but mm-hmm. it's using high-dose vitamin A, C, vitamins A, C, D, and iodine at the first sign of an illness, first sign of a cough, a sore throat, a fever. You know, they start immediately supporting the immune system with nutritional support. And then um, if they had any breathing issues, I would have them nebulize a dilute solution of hydrogen peroxide and iodine. Nebulizing means breathing a mist um, to try and get iodine and, and dilute hydrogen peroxide into their lungs. Um, and I said, you know, worst comes to worst, we're going to do IVs on them. And we, you know, we have a very big IV, nutritional IV practice. And um, so one of the next question came to me, are we going to let them in the office sick? And I said, no, I don't think we can let sick people in the office this time because every other year we saw all the sick people in the office. Mm-hmm. I'd walk into a room, they were coughing and sneezing. I didn't have a mask on. I didn't have a... Uh, uh-huh. uh, a suit on, you know, a, 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 a space suit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Space suit. I didn't have that on. I would just walk in, listen to them, you know, wash my hands beforehand, wash my hands afterwards, and go about my day. I never thought twice about it. Well, so what we did was we met patients outside who needed a little bit more therapy, gave them IVs out of their car. And, you know, remember, I'm in Michigan, in Michigan in March and April when this <laughs> thing really took off. Not nice weather. We were doing it in snow, sleet wind, rain, it was really cold weather, and, you know, it was the only good thing about the spacesuits, they kept you warm out there, hmm. but, um, you know, we we did the work, and the first week, I don't think I slept much that week, I was worried, and I was calling patients every night, and I still call them every night, the ones I'm worried about, and after about seven to ten days, we all noticed our patients were getting better, they could breathe again, they could, you know, they were on the road to recovery, and, you know, I, I kept keeping track of it, and I wrote a peer-reviewed paper on the first 107 patients on, you know, doing well with this therapy. And we're, we're closing in on 600 now. And we have pretty much the same results. We have a few hospitalizations. We have no deaths in our active patients. And, um, um, you know, supporting the immune system is what we should have been doing from the beginning of this crisis. And I think we'd have a lot less problems than we're having, you know, than, we've, than, we've, than what's happened. You know, you're known in some circles as the iodine guy, because uh, the last time I interviewed you, I interviewed you a few years back about your uh, influential book on iodine. And iodine is, is, you know, we know about vitamin D and C and zinc. Okay, those are uh, very, very well known for their efficacy against viruses and infections. But uh, iodine is, is more obscure. So tell us about why iodine may play a role in therapy for this. Do you remember when you interviewed me about that? I do. Yeah. What was I? What sporting event was I talking about at that time? It, it wasn't on on. It wasn't on my radar screen, but it probably was so, on yours. So on my radar screen because it was the Detroit Pistons were in the, uh, the NBA Finals. I can't, and that was years ago, and 
you had brought it up to me at the beginning of the interview, but um, anyways, that was a long time ago because the Pistons haven't been very good since then. Okay. Um, but I thought I, you were going to say that you know that when the when the Giants were in the Super Bowl, but you know that's <laughs> that's ages or, ago. Or when Michigan beat Ohio State, I don't remember that either anymore in my life. But um, <laughs> um, so iodine, iodine is you know it's interesting you brought up iodine, and I was going to bring it up, but. Um, when I see all the people talking and the frontline doctors and, you know, everybody else talking, everyone talks about zinc. Some, everyone talks about vitamin C. Some will talk about vitamin A. Most everyone talks about vitamin D. No one talks about iodine. And I think the reason our patients, one of the reasons our patients might be doing so well with this is iodine. Iodine is an essential element we can't live without. Our immune system can't function without iodine. The, the white blood cells need iodine to fight infections. Um, iodine has anti has virucidal and bactericidal properties to it itself, and the American diet is woefully deficient in iodine. According to the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, iodine levels have fallen over 50% across the United States over the last 40 years, and the consequences of that fall are disastrous. You know, we our immune systems have been affected, our thyroid glands have been affected, the breasts, the ovaries, the uterus, the prostate, the pancreas, all the glandular tissue that makes hormones and that needs hormones has been affected by this lack of iodine this is where iodine concentrates in the body and the glandular tissue. And if you think about it before we even talk about COVID, but what, what are we seeing problems in our country? We're seeing one in seven women with breast cancer, one in three men with um, prostate cancer, uh, pancreatic cancer, ovarian, uterine, all going up at epidemic rates. Thyroid cancer is the fastest growing cancer. I, it's been my premise for the last 20 years that, the reason we're seeing this is due in part or in large part to iodine deficiency. And that's left us very vulnerable to problems like coronavirus. And I think that, you know, one of the first things I do with my patients who called me and they were sick with coronavirus, I would tell them, hey, you need to be on high dose oral vitamins A, C, T, and iodine. And mm -hmm. if they were already taking iodine, I had them double their dose, whatever they were on. They weren't David taking iodine. I've, I've heard that, uh, I mean, I've actually seen some studies that show that uh, iodine uh, gargles have been effective because it's thought that uh, originally the virus takes hold in your nasal passages and then via gravity, uh, it can go down into your lungs. So merely the act of gargling, even gargling with uh, saline, uh, can have some effectiveness against respiratory infections and potentially COVID because once it hits the lungs, well, then it really takes off. That is true. And there have been a couple of preprints out showing that um, using iodine as a gargle kills the, the coronavirus, which is on the throat, you know, within a very short time. I think it was 30 seconds to a minute or something. And there's another preprint out with iodine as a nasal spray um, and showing the same thing in the nasal passages because we know iodine in any of the respiratory tree can, that's where it attacks to first via the ACE2 receptors. Mm -hmm. And then it, right, as you said, it migrates down into the lungs, which causes bigger problems. Well, one of the things, one of the places where iodine concentrates in the body is in the lungs. And, um, you know, you need iodine in the lungs. And, you know, with iodine levels falling 50%, the lungs are vulnerable for people. And um, I, I say coronavirus exploited this this poor health, poor iodine, you know, problem that we're, we're, we're seeing. And, you know, the, the finals numbers are still coming in, unfortunately. And, you know, unless we rectify this, we'll just keep going down the same road. 
Indeed. Okay, this is a good point at which to pause because, uh, as our listeners know, we divide our podcast into two parts. Uh, in part two, we're going to talk about uh, some of the therapies that you advocate for prevention of COVID, but also should you come down with COVID, what are some of the things that you may want to stock in your medicine cabinet? Uh, we'll also talk about uh, IV vitamin C and nebulized hydrogen peroxide. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today's guest is the author of A Holistic Approach to Viruses, one of his many books. Previously, he's written about uh, iodine. Iodine is a chapter within A Holistic Approach to Viruses. Lots of practical information there. He's Dr. David Brownstein, who practices in Michigan. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.